Warning, there are some extreme references and information in the following episode, and even dodgier pronunciations. If you're not into this kind of thing, you might want to switch over to TG4. another episode of 10 Podcast Lane. In this episode, we travel back to the Ukraine in 2007, where two psychopaths terrorized the city of Dnipro and surrounding areas over a two-month period. These are the Dnipropetrovsk Maniacs. Dnipro is the Ukraine's fourth largest city, with around one million inhabitants. It is known mainly for its museums, operas, football team, and streets being named after Marxist heroes. Insert inverted commas here. But there was a whole different reason for the city being in the news in 2007. For in the months of July and June in 2007, two 19-year-old teenagers, namely Viktor Sienko and Igor Sopronyuk, were arrested and charged with 21 gruesome murders, with a 13, Alexander Hanza also arrested and sentenced, albeit on lesser charges. Although Alexander Hanza hung around with Tsayenko and Sipronyuk and committed crimes which included robberies and such, he wasn't involved in the actual murders involving people, although he was their personal photographer and cameraman. The two killers were from modest families. Viktor Sienko's father and mother were communications engineers at a manufacturing company in Dnipro. Alexander Hansa's father died of a stroke two years prior to the killing spree, and his mother worked as a nurse in the local hospital. But Igor Sopronyuk, he was different, as both of his parents were high-ranking officials. The future serial killers met in school when Igor Sopronyuk was transferred into class 3B of the Dnipro Secondary School. Speaking of Igor, the boy had a difficult character, one of his teachers recounted. I had a feeling that he was constantly defending himself, although no one offended him. He was very insecure, but he tried not to show it. And also, I remember that I immediately noticed his eyes. They were blue and cold, like ice. I even get a frost on my skin thinking of him. Now, Igor was not the best student by any means, and he often skipped the lessons and argued with teachers for any and every reason. But his classmates mentioned that he had a mysterious charisma On the one hand, the guy was incredibly difficult to get on with his peers, and he was super arrogant. On the other hand, he had the ability to mould people and lead them astray. This happened with Viktor Sienko and Alexander Hanza. Before Igor appeared, 
The two boys studied well and never got into trouble. But with the arrival of Igor, they began a new life of hooliganism. Sienko and Sopronyuk had a hobby of killing animals. Not your typical hobby, I must admit, but it was what they chose to do with their time. The group would hunt for animals, kill them and then hang them by their necks, left to die. But soon into this extracurricular activity, animal killing wouldn't be enough, and the self-named Nepromaniacs went out to find a greater thrill. Okay, if you're like me, you like to light a nice smelling candle to help relax in the evening. Smell My Stuff sell homemade soy wax and essential oil based candles and it's all natural and healthy with no black soot or residue. They sell on their Etsy, Insta and Facebook pages. Just search Smell My Stuff and you'll find them. Prices range from 350 to 16 euro. They'll be selling at various markets around Leinster, which will be posted on their social media accounts, so you can go and smell their stuff before you buy their stuff. It was on the 25th of June 2007 when the duo first struck. Their first victim was a 33-year-old woman named Ekaterina Ilchenko. Miss Ilchenko was en route to her house after walking her friend home. Sadly, she crossed paths with Sopronyuk and Sienko, who were nonchalant as they passed her, until Sopronyuk, who was carrying a hammer inside a yellow plastic bag, did a 360 turn and embedded the hammer into the side of Ekaterina's head, killing her almost instantly. Without going into too much detail, he didn't stop at one blow. In a sad twist of fate, the victim's mother was the one who spotted her laying on the road only a short distance from her house, dead. Natalia Ilchenko recalled finding her daughter unrecognisable after the hammer attack. Within two hours of killing Ekaterina, the two evil bastards targeted their next victim, Roman Taterovich, who was sleeping on a park bench right across the street from the local prosecutor's office, not far from the first murder. Roman's head was smashed with a blunt object several times, deeming him, like the first murderer hours earlier, unrecognisable. On the 1st of July, two more victims, Evgenia Grishchenko and Nikolai Serchuk, were found murdered in the nearby town of Novomoskov. The details of these murders are not readily available, but from what I gathered, it was a similar MO to the previous, both being beaten with blunt objects. On the night of July 6th, three more people were murdered in Dnipro. The first was Igor Neshevolda, a recently discharged army recruit who upon walking home from a nightclub was viciously attacked and killed. It is believed that there were people who seen this murder but didn't intervene. The next morning, Igor's mother went out for her daily walk when right beside their apartment wall she found her son's dead body. For me, this is one of the many horrible things relating to these murders. So many of the victims were so close to home, where you know the area and feel safe, 
a feeling of familiarity, then in an instant that all changes. Shortly after this, Elena Schramm, a 28-year-old night guard, was then murdered on a nearby corner of Kosiora Street. As per Sienko's own taped confession, he told as Schramm walked towards them, Sopronyuk struck her with a hammer he had been hiding under his shirt and hit her several more times as she fell to the ground. They then used clothes from a bag she was carrying to clean the hammer. Later that same night, the men murdered Valentina Hanza, whom we know was not a relation to Alexander, but was a mother of three young children and was married to a disabled husband whom she cared for. You see the similarities. They were cowards, always attacking vulnerable people whom they knew they could overpower. The following day, July 7th, Two 14-year-old boys from a nearby village were attacked as they went fishing. One of the two friends, Andrei Sidyuk, was killed, but the other, Vadim Lyakov, managed to escape. Investigators at first suspected Vadim of killing his friend, interrogating the young boy. He was reportedly denied access to counsel and beaten by police during questioning. It didn't take long for authorities to realise the murder of Andre was related to the murders committed by the Nipromaniacs. The young boy spoke to composite sketch artists to try create a sketch of the killers. It was these composite sketches that would ultimately be the deciding factor in finding the serial killers. Unfortunately, not before they struck again, killing a dozen more victims. If you're a four-eyed fuck like me, you need to check out ZeroFog. Reusable microfiber cloths that protect your glasses from condensation for 24 hours with a single wipe. How does it work? Well, ZeroFog uses nanofiber technology combined with a high-quality anti-fog solution to form an invisible, harmless coating between glasses and the air. One single wipe stops water molecules from sticking to the glasses, preventing condensation from building up. No more foggy glasses when wearing a face mask. It lasts 24 hours and is reusable up to 500 times. It fits conveniently in your pocket and is harmless, invisible and odorless. That's zero fog. On the 12th of July, 48-year-old Sergei Yatsenko, who was recently disabled by a bout with cancer, went missing while riding his Nepper bike. We know what happened though because the sick cunts decided to film the whole attack. At one point in the video, Sopronyuk is seen looking through binoculars for any approaching vehicles. He can also be seen posing with a hammer, which he conceals inside a yellow plastic bag. After around 20 minutes, Sergei Yetsenko is passing by and has knocked off his bike to the ground before the attack in the woods next to the road begins. He is seen lying on his back in a wooded area and is struck repeatedly in the face with a hammer, still being held inside the yellow plastic bag. One attacker stabs Yasenko in the eye and abdomen with a screwdriver. The suffering victim is then struck with the hammer to ensure he is dead. The attack lasts over four minutes, 
during which the victim lapses in and out of consciousness. One of the pricks can be seen smiling towards the camera during the video, almost proud of what he's just committed. The murderers walk back to the car, chatting about their murder as if it was a scene from a film they just watched, exclaiming surprise to how the victim was still alive after being stabbed in the eye. The suspects then wash their hands and hammer with a water bottle and begin to laugh. Only two suspects appear to be present in the video, with one always behind the camera, Hansa. Sergei's wife was instantly worried when her husband never came home, fearing he might have fallen ill or had an accident. But due to Ukrainian law, she could not file a missing persons report until 72 hours after her husband was last seen. The next day, she posted photographs of her husband around the village and enlisted more local help to search the surrounding area. It wasn't until four days later when a local who saw one of the posters remembered seeing an abandoned bike in a remote wooded area by a garbage dump. He took Sergei's relatives to the scene, where they discovered the mutilated and decomposing body of Sergei Yatsenko. Just days later, on July 14th, 45-year-old Natalia Marmachurk was riding her scooter in the nearby village of Diovka. As she was passing through the wooded area, two men approached her and knocked her down. They then bludgeoned her to death with a blunt weapon and drove off on her scooter. Local witnesses seen this and tried to catch up to the two murderers, but they soon escaped. Of the 21 murders, these are the only ones where information has been given, presumably as the attacks got more and more extreme as the spree continued. What we do know is 12 more murders followed, including a pregnant woman who was brutally murdered with a fetus being cut out of her womb. Also, in addition to the earlier sprees, two victims were found each day from July 14th through to July 16th. Not as if it was a saving grace, but no sexual assaults were ever reported on any of the victims. There were only two surviving victims, Fadim mentioned earlier, and Lydia Vikrincheva. Lydia was an elderly lady who survived a brutal hammer attack and helped to identify the killers. This, along with the composite sketch, resulted in the two maniacs finally being apprehended. She recalled being struck on the head from behind and falling to the ground. Her life was saved when the dogs accompanying her barked loudly and scared off the attackers. Upon their capture and subsequent search of the trio's houses, the suspects were found in possession of multiple photographs showing them attending funerals of the victims they can be seen smiling and flipping off the coffins and gravestones. I mean, they're the fucking lowest of the low. Also, numerous bits of evidence of animal abuse were shown in court, with the suspects posing alongside mutilated animal corpses, as previously mentioned. The three men were charged with involvement in 29 separate incidents, 
including 21 murders and 8 more attacks where victims survived. Sopronyuk was charged with 27 of the cases, including 21 counts of capital murder, 8 armed robberies and 1 count of animal cruelty. Sayenko was charged with 25 instances, including 18 murders, 5 robberies and 1 count of animal cruelty. And Hansa was charged with 2 counts of armed robbery stemming from an incident in Kamiansk on the 1st of March in 2007. All three confessed to their crimes initially, although Sopronyuk later withdrew his confession. Their trial began in June 2008. Sopronyuk pleaded not guilty, while the other two suspects pleaded guilty to all charges. Victor Shagos, Sopronyuk's original defence lawyer, left the case after reportedly being disappointed that his client's plea of insanity was not accepted. Lawyers for the victims, families, argued that the level of care taken by the killers during their crime spree meant they were fully aware of their actions. Included in the prosecution's evidence were bloodstains on the suspect's clothing and video recordings of the murders. The defence denied that the people in the videos were the suspects, claiming serious problems with the investigation, including at least 10 more murders covered up by the prosecution supposed cover-ups of additional arrests of people with powerful connections who were released without being charged, even naming some of the additional people supposedly involved with the murders. This being why there are only information on some but not all of the murders. The prosecution asked for life imprisonment for Sayenko and Sopronyuk and 15 years of hard labour for Hansa. Ukraine has no capital punishment since February 2000 after the Constitutional Court ruled the death penalty unconstitutional in December 1999. On February 11, 2009, the court in Dnipro found Sienko and Sopronia guilty of premeditated murder and sentenced both to life imprisonment. Hansa, who was not involved in the actual killings, was found guilty of robbery and sentenced to nine years in prison. As of 2019, Hansa is released from prison and married with two children, while the other two are still rotting in a cell. After this case, as much as 60% of Ukrainians voted in favour of the death penalty being reintroduced for convicted serial killers, but as of today, it is still not reinstalled. One noted reason given for the killing spree was that the trio were making snuff videos, 40 in total, for a buyer on the dark web who was going to give them 200 grand for the 40 videos. But this was never fully confirmed. Personally, I think it was just an egotistical spree of self-affirmation. That brings us to the end of another episode of 10 Podcast Lane. And be sure to check out my Patreon. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash 10 Podcast Lane. There's only one tier in it for two euro a month, which I'm sure anyone could afford. It'd be fucking awesome if you could. And um, price of a coffee and it'll help me out non- ten, ten, tenfold. And um, thanks to my sponsors as well. Uh, smell my stuff and Zero Vog. Be sure to check them out on the socials. 
And until next time, aim for the bushes.